0: This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm joined by Megan Fink, educator extraordinaire at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Megan, welcome to our podcast.
1: Hi, Will. I'm really excited to be here with you today.
0: Great to have you. 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 you know, I want to talk about this event we had a couple of Saturdays ago called 50 Forward with student leaders from all over the Bay. Actually, my last podcast was with two of those student leaders. But as you and I were talking, you've had a heck of a time, a heck of a, of a three weeks since then. And it's really a, 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 a great description of what CBF does education wise in the summer. So, so tell us about the last, your last three or four weeks.
1: Absolutely. So I've been I've been on quite an adventure, and it's been so inspiring. Uh, I got to work with student leaders for six days in the field, camping, paddling, um, fishing, oystering all across the Chesapeake Bay.
0: And that was the preamble to the 50 Forward event, which we'll come back to. Absolutely. Student leaders.
1: Student leaders, high schoolers who are so passionate and driven to make a difference, uh, just knocked my shoes off. They were wonderful. And then I got to go down to Virginia Beach, my hometown where I grew up, and work with uh, middle and elementary school teachers for five days, running our Chesapeake classrooms courses. Um, and that was a blast to see them get expi- inspired and, and ready to go back to school, to end the week and have teachers tell you, I can't wait to go back to school and work with my students and get them outside and feeling the way I do. That's what you want. Uh, and to share the experience I had on the student leadership course with those teachers and offer those same opportunities and then my third week uh, on Monday, I was on Smith Island with principals and our vice president, Tom Ackerman, learning all about how to um, create green schools in Maryland and really thread that environmental literacy needle all the way up to our administrators. So it's been a very powerful three weeks for me. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change the busyness for the world. It's been fun.
0: <laughs> you haven't had a break either, I think. <laughs> Maybe a day or so, a couple hours here or there. So student leaders, teachers, And principles in three weeks yes that's about as good as it gets for us and I bet you're exhausted and you hope you're gonna get some time off
1: I'm still flying flying on that (laughs) inspirational high there so
0: okay so before we come back to 50 forward tell us a little bit about yourself where you grew up you mentioned Virginia Beach how you came to be passionate about the environment and how you got to Chesapeake Bay Foundation
1: Yep, so growing up in Virginia Beach, um, I was definitely a beach bum. My mom had us outside all summer long, um, and was a teacher herself. So I come from a family of teachers, and I wanted to do something different. I loved the environment and nature from an early age. Visiting my uncle's farm in the Shenandoah Valley, canoeing and fishing with him. Uh, running through fields of corn, going into the chicken coop, and looking (laughs) for eggs in the morning. I just, I was immersed and given all these opportunities to be connected with the outdoor world and nature and find this sense of of peace and calm in it uh, that really stayed with me. Uh, But like I said, being from a family of teachers and loving, loving nature, environmental education just kind of brought it all together for me. I went to Virginia Tech and studied wildlife science, my senior year, I took an environmental education service learning course, and not,
0: I'm not going to hold Virginia Tech against you.
1: I oh, co- hey! I come
0: from a UVA family. <laughs> we can still be friends. Oh, okay, as well. we can be friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> got to work across the aisle here, right?
0: <laughs> so, Virginia Tech too. To
1: to, um, to environmental education and to work. I worked in an aquarium and then immediately got. Got on board with the Bay Foundation. I worked as an intern on Great Fox Island and our education programs in November 2011, and then moved to Smith Island, eventually became our island senior manager, so I got to work with all four of our environmental education programs in the heart of the Chesapeake Bay. Um, And a job opened up in Annapolis to be Tom Ackerman's administrative coordinator, And I really wanted to understand the inner workings of nonprofits and how education worked with litigation and with um, advocates and restoration and with communications, Uh, just learn more about our internal and external partners. But I missed the students. I missed the field and working with the kids. So when the Maryland Student Leadership Coordinator position opened, I had to jump on it. And I'm thrilled I did.
0: Tell us a little bit about what we mean when we say student leaders and how do we find them? How do they how are they selected?
1: Yes, yeah, so they, they um, reach out to us. I, I'm very lucky that I don't have to do a lot of recruiting. Um, our student leaders are already involved in student government associations or environmental clubs. They're passionate, they're driven, they're primarily high schoolers. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that we have a lot of bright students here in Maryland that are interested in getting involved and care about the environment. Uh, we want to broaden that net as as much as we can, but they really, the goal is to empower them to um, be that leader for their school and their community and they're the fishermen and they're casting the net um, and continuing to spread the good work.
0: And our, our hope is that we will keep in touch with these student leaders as they become adults and hopefully become adult leaders and can be really our sort of, uh, attempt to, to learn and gain more partners in the young people, uh, to build for the future.
1: Absolutely. And I've had in the last, um, few months, two different students, one who works out on the West Coast now in environmental advocacy issues, um, write to us and ask you know say that she found her spark on our island education programs and can she help can her story help inspire other students to get into the field one just won the um, another student who went to gunston school on the eastern shore she won the william wagner um, prize a scholarship she's mm-hmm. a student at washington college now for her writing in nature and it was based on her experiences with us on the bay so i think they they the spark is lit, it's working. They're they're becoming lifelong advocates and they wanna stay connected and in touch.
0: Well, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, um, education's the best long-term investment in the future of Chesapeake Bay. And that's why it's so important to us. Now, my last podcast was with two of the student leaders. We had, how many? Were there 70, I was saying 75. I think, I think there, there were actually 70? 71 or 72, yes. something like that from Maryland, Virginia, and Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. in five different groups, each of whom spent the six days on the bay, ending here at headquarters at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation's Merrill Center in Annapolis Mm -hmm. for a conference. Tell us a little bit about the concept of this that we called 50 Forward for the next 50 years of CBF with these new student leaders leading the way Tell us how that concept came about, and then tell us about the the day it was It was really extraordinary
1: yes well in in celebrating fifty years of saving the bay as an organization, what better way to do it than than think about the next fifty uh and in education um, hopefully when we save the bay one day um, the I hope you, i'm
0: still here to see it that's what i'm counting on
1: I am sure you will be. <laughs> you know at the end of the day when the Bay is saved we still need scientists and we still need education to keep it saved to keep it protected um to keep that spark and that passion alive so I feel like education is is the best place to be as far as job security in the Bay Foundation because you're going to succeed we're all going to succeed and save the Bay but the education department it's never going to end we always need to educate and learn more there's always more to learn um especially in the field of education and science. So it was very exciting, these five different courses, each had their own theme. Our Pennsylvania courses were really focused on agriculture's connection to the bay. Uh, My course in Maryland with our um, Maryland Association of Student Councils and our Student Bay Advisory Council attendees were really focused on oysters. The world is your oyster and our key to saving the bay. Our Virginia course was following the journey of a raindrop throughout the watershed, starting at the headwaters of the Potomac and following it all the way down. Um, and our other Maryland course was really focused on forests and their role in clean water throughout the watershed. So they all had different themes and different perspectives coming into it and stories to sh- share and tell and, and educate their peers and then educate current leaders because we're all lifelong learners and it was very powerful to sit there with you and. John, the CEO of the National Aquarium, and hear you guys learning from students. Uh, one of my students, uh, Jasmine Joseph, from Hammond High School said it was just so humbling to be listened to and to feel heard, um, and like her opinion and voice mattered uh, to the people in the room. So I think it was really powerful for, for those students, for those youth.
0: I, um, <clears throat> I tried to meet uh almost all of them and get <laughs> some stories from them and i uh at our our table as you know the group was uh, arranged in a number of different tables and we had lunch and congressman john sarbanes uh, came and spoke but uh i asked our tables students what are you going to tell your parents when you get home and one young fellow just floored me he said <laughs> he said my father's always yelling at the television. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell him to start yelling at the people he's concerned about. Go and tell those elected officials what he really thinks. Don't just absolutely. yell at the television. I thought that was absolutely classic. But, you know, it it really was so illustrative of what he felt empowered by after having spent a week doing this, that you can change things, you can change the world, you can change elected officials, and you need to speak up. And I think that's what you and your fellow colleagues really do um, instill in these students, that, that, that they have power they didn't know they had. And every one of those students came across with something like that.
1: Absolutely
0: it was it was inspiring. Talk about um, what actually happened here for those three or four hours that we called fifty forward.
1: Yes, so each um, each course, all five courses had uh, a display that they worked really hard on and put together a map of their journey across the watershed to help uh, illustrate where they went, who they met. My team um, made their map really interactive um, by putting QR codes on it so you could go to each place they stopped and see videos and images of where they were. So that map will live on wherever it goes. It can still can still be used for learning and education. Um, and then everybody got a chance to walk around and ask questions and, and hear about the lessons learned, that each student became an expert in their own field, whether it was forests or agriculture or oysters or watershed um,
0: and, and you know, And what, what impressed me about walking around each of the stations mm-hmm. is you and, and your other fellow educators who were there at the tables didn't say a word. And, and that's, that's um, absolutely central to CBF education, that the students are supposed to burn the calories in That's their minds. The
1: cognitive calories. What is it called? <laughs> they're burning the cognitive calories. They're burning
0: the cognitive <laughs> calories. And you all really did that so well. So it, were, it the students were the ones laying out everything. The articulateness of each and every one of them was beyond belief.
1: I was really impressed. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still kids. We had fun along the way, and there were moments where I was pulling my hair out. Um, <laughs> but they're they do. They're absorbing it all all along the way. I remember um sitting down to prep and, and talk here give them reflections. Each night we kind of talked about knowledge, um, bravery, and gratitude on our course, anyway. We one thing you learned, one moment where you stepped outside of your comfort zone and you felt brave, and one moment where you were just really grateful for the experience. And I think doing that each evening and giving them time to reflect and process. Um, really, really helped that final event go well. But I remember um, Deidre Floyd, our director of field programs, coming in and setting the scene and talking with them, and the kids are getting a little nervous about it. And she says, we, we'd we really love to close with a reflection from one of the students at our at our big event. And Garrett Kiermonte came up to my coworker, Adam Wickline, and said, do you have a notepad and, and pencil? And just snuck off and in 20 minutes put together this amazing Eloquent um, vision of the next fifty years and what inspired him and what stuck with him on that from from the course from the week. So they really, their brains are on all the time, even even when we're playing games and being silly. They're soaking it in. They're sponges. Our our kids are learning from us constantly.
0: So so the the essay that it, Garrett right Garrett that mm-hmm. Garrett uh, read at the very end of the lunch. Yes. He had just written.
1: He wrote um, Friday evening. Friday evening. Yep, just throughout the throughout the task as an option, if anyone feels so inclined or inspired, and Garrett did, and it was masterfully done. It was.
0: I'm, I'm talking to our our esteemed producer Lauren Barnett now. Uh, Lauren, we ought to make sure we get that and put that on the post with this podcast uh, on the website. It was really beautiful. So. Um, you know we 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 did we went to we had an hour or so to go to all the stations and Mm -hmm. then we gathered at tables and uh congressman john sarbanes of third district of maryland was running a little late so we moved on with the agenda and we had two young women two pennsylvania students Mm -hmm. talking about their efforts to get the hellbender and for those in Maryland or Virginia or other areas who don't know what the hellbender is, go ahead and Google it. The amazing amphibian. Beautiful get, creature. Beautiful <laughs> creature. You'll laugh when you Google <laughs> it and see what it really looks like. Uh, the state amphibian. And, and they did an amazing job talking about how they've been lobbying for this all, all um, year. John Sarbanes had come in and heard, the, heard what they were saying. And when we did, I did introduce him, and he got up, he said, oh my God, it's hard to follow that. But then he did such an amazing job. And one of the things he talked about was very similar to what you and I were talking about before we started taping. So give a little hint of that.
1: So Sarbanes kind of asked the room to close close their eyes and picture a place that grounded them, that tethered them to reality when they needed a moment of peace to gather their thoughts. Um, close your eyes and picture that, and kind of gave everyone a minute to to reflect. And then told us that, I think it was like 85 to 90 percent of people picture somewhere in nature. They picture coming out of the ocean and the salt drying on their skin, or climbing up a mountain and feeling the wind catch in their hair. And if we're not giving our students those experiences, um, those things that really keep them tethered to earth and tangible reality, then we're doing a disservice to our youth. They need to have those experiences. Um, there's a great quote that is has kind of been, I've brought up on each course throughout the week, my students, my teachers, my principals. In the end, we conserve only what we love. We love only what we understand, and we understand only what we are taught. And wow, I think that powerful. really speaks um, to our education program and to the successes that we've had with the... With the Bay Foundation.
0: So Megan you've been here five years mm-hmm. and um, what's the next five hold for you?
1: Hopefully continued learning and I've been so fortunate that the Bay Foundation oper- offers so many opportunities um, to continue learning to delve deeper into science. Um, I'm just constantly challenged and forced to think on my feet and I love it. I love that each educational experience is different and unique. Um, I love the work that we do. So I'm, I hope to, to stick around for a few more years, but eventually you
0: will too. <laughs> that was a set up question. I'm trying to get, get some certainty here in the next, <laughs> sorry, but I interrupted.
1: No, no. Um, I, I certainly want to dedicate, um, a few years to the student leadership program. I think there's so much potential. I'm bursting with ideas after that program and the students have ideas for me too. I want them to help shape the program, um, to give them the tools and the skills that they need and that they want when they're advancing into college and careers and beyond. Um, I love the collaboration we have here. It's just, it's been a wonderful place to work and I still feel like there's so much room for me to grow.
0: that's just terrific. I, I, what I loved about the day was all the inspiration of the day and then that night, the next day, early the next week, getting emails from students who uh, had one way or another had picked up my email address and uh, it, just some incredible pearls uh, on the emails. What does the EFO bring for student leadership?
1: The fall, the fall will bring um, follow up on their actions and their ideas. I want to follow up with each each one individually from Maryland and see how they're doing. Check in, see how I can help, and then November 10th through the 12th we'll be on Port Isabel for a strategic planning retreat.
0: Our island centered, just over the Maryland Virginia border. Yep. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: for a, a what retreat?
1: So it will be a strategic planning retreat for our Pennsylvania Student Council and our Student Bay Advisory Council, which is mostly here in Maryland. We have some Virginia students on there as well. Um, but so all three states will kind of collide again.
0: The students. The
1: students. This is for the students. They will come back um, for a little mini reunion and make solid plans for the future. And again, tell me what they what they need to, to succeed, what they wanna learn. Um, help plan next summer's expeditions across the watershed they are the leaders i, I want to lift their voices up and their ideas are my number one priority
0: well megan fink thank you so much never lose your enthusiasm it is absolutely infectious and i i i've got to say though you've got a lot of cbf educator colleagues who are as equally committed is equally inspiring and is equally enthusiastic. We're so very, very lucky. So thank you for all you do. This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Tune in every two weeks to our podcast, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. And if you go to our website, cbf.org, I think you'll probably see some pictures and maybe even some video of 50 Forward. It was a great day. Thanks, Megan.
1: Thanks, Will.